0: And and Carson this is FanGraphs Audio, my guest on this edition of FanGraphs Audio, making his weekly Monday appearance on a Tuesday. This is his weekly Monday appearance, except he has made it, in this case, on a Tuesday. The managing editor of FanGraphs.com, Dave Cameron. Dave Cameron is the guest and in this edition of the program, as he does every week. Dave Cameron endeavors to analyze all baseball. Of particular note, this week, the playoffs, naturally, the playoffs, the, d- the respective divisional series, that's the matter most at hand in this episode. For example, the risk-averse behavior among managers and how the sleep patterns of infant humans can help us better understand that behavior. Uh, Because it is fangraphs, we have necessarily dedicated a uh, a certain portion of the program to the Yankees' bullpen and also to the practice of bullpenning. Uh, And uh, as a sort of coda to that conversation, uh, we look in particular at A.J. Hinch's, that's uh, Houston Astros manager A.J. Hinch's use of starter Justin Verlander, In game four, uh, that's the Astros game four win at Boston. And does it represent to some degree an overcorrection or perhaps an overenthusiastic response uh, to the bullpenning revolution, if one would dare call it that? Uh, We also find here uh, at the end of the conversation, I've asked Dave Cameron how he feels about the execution uh, of this particular edition of the program.
1: You know, this isn't one of those scenarios where you can be like, well, maybe questionable process, but good result. Like, it was questionable process, questionable result.
0: Hurtful, hurtful words. Care of Dave Cameron. Uh, We are going to get to a conversation with that same managing editor momentarily. However, it is both my duty and privilege to announce that Fangraphs memberships exist for a reasonable fee. Readers of Fangraphs.com can support the great work that appears at that site. And for a slightly less reasonable fee... Readers of Fangraphs.com can acquire an ad-free membership which allows one to browse the site uh, without the burden of banner ads, both facilitating faster loading speeds also liberating one from the distortive effects of advertising. It's Fangraphs ad-free membership available at Fangraphs.com and then uh, clicking around a little bit. With that advertisement complete, let us now move on to our conversation. What is it? It's Fangraphs audio. Who does the feature? Managing editor of Fangraphs, Dave Cameron. And when does it begin? Right now. Uh, actually, do you know how... Uh, hey, Dave, Cameron. Yeah. Hi. Do you know how sometimes what I will do is I will um, hold the audience and the uh, the entirety, really, of this program hostage uh, in order to ask you a question about um, uh, perhaps an idea or a concept or an anecdote from real life and ask you how it applies uh, to the honored pastime of baseball. You do that with regularity, yes. I do it with regularity, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, well, uh, hey, I... um, I've another question along those lines. Okay. And it, it's a it's a concept uh, that will be familiar to you and it's one that's becoming more familiar to me and uh it really I think anyone who's alive uh, will have some familiarity with this at at some level. Uh here's a, here, here's what I can uh, here's what I would like to relate to you. I'd like to imagine I'd like to imagine an infant, an infant child. All right? Okay. And uh this infant child is very clearly uh, tired. This child is fatigued, right? Sure. But what this kid cannot do is fall asleep. Yeah. And in fact, he is. He appears to be. It's a boy. I'm talking about a boy in this case. <laughs> he appears to be angry yeah. that he's tired. Right. Right. Yeah. And so, as a uh, as an adult, uh, what you what you attempt to convey to him uh, using your first language, English, is. Um, Go, just d- close your eyes and everything will be fine. Right. Here's the solution to all your yeah. problems. Yeah, it's a very easy solution. That's the thing, right? You, you've you've identi- identified the problem um, and you understand the solution. You say, close your eyes. However, the child cannot do it. The child won't do it unless right. there is some sort of mediation, right, some sort of uh, means by which you facilitate his, his transition from... The st- the waking state to the sleeping one right maybe you have to rock him or um jostle or you know some other sort of uh, um you can put him here's one tip uh you can put a child on top of the dryer but do not put a child do not put <laughs> a child in the dryer
1: you can put a child in the dryer as long as you don't turn it on
0: okay yeah but it's but it's very it's very close to to becoming a very a very very big problem so so this is what I would like to ask you right so so this exists this is a fact yeah is that frequently young people, and I think that part of it has to do uh with um well i'm sure there are there are a number of reasons this exists but uh the the main one is that um children of a certain age or under a certain age lack the hormones are they hormones what is uh um, th- th- those, those these sort of chemicals that inform the circadian rhythm.
1: Uh, that's a good question for Doctor Alan Nathan.
0: <laughs> uh Yeah, one of them is melatonin. That's the one that makes you sleepy. Yeah, and then the other one is Clarisol. It's not Clarisol. <laughs> no,
1: that's for your eyes. I'm pretty sure.
0: I don't even know if it's a real thing. Uh, the, whatever the other one is, though. Um, uh, the that that, that, that That's the point. I think that the children lack them. Um, is the point. It's not Claire at all. Uh, so, here, so here's a question: uh, What Dave Cameron in baseball is like that?
1: What in baseball is like really wanting to get your
0: solution but choosing not to have it? Sure. I get well. So so part of the challenge always, right, is if for you is interpreting what it is, what is this, interpreting the scenario that <laughs> that's right.
1: Yeah, I have to turn your uh, weird uh, suppositions into English words. that we Well, can no. Here, here's another.
0: Here's another thing. I think it is. It's the, it's a situation where the answer is obvious to one party, right, and yet the other party, by for whatever reason, is unable to see it, employ it, etc.
1: I mean, I think you could probably say before this year, bullpening mm-hmm. um, in the postseason. I mean, I think we've seen a pretty significant change this year, uh, and with uh, well, Cleveland, we saw it last year too. But uh, you know, maybe Buck Showalter and Zach Britton—that's maybe the the best example I can think of—is like the best solution to your problem, Buck Showalter, is to put the best left-handed reliever in this winner-take-all game. that if you lose, you your season ends, and. And he just couldn't do it. He couldn't put Zach Britton in the game because it wasn't a save situation. And, and,
0: and, to, and as a reminder, right? Because uh, I don't full remember, but I believe Ubaldo Jimenez was on the mound when that. I mean, like they
1: it. went through what, like five or six relievers, right? And uh, to be
0: fair, they did. They do. They have quite a few. Or that club right, had yeah, quite right. a few. Mean,
1: Brad Brock and Darren O'Day aren't garbage, but they're not right. Zach Britton either. Uh, right. And yeah, and I think they they put some really not good pitchers on the mound while Zach Britton watched those pitchers pitch. Um, and
0: this was an extra innings game, if I'm if I'm I think it was like it. twelve.
1: Yeah, maybe. Right, okay. Yeah, feels like. Yeah, and Zach Britton didn't pitch the entire game, which I think like that was the turning point. That'll never happen again, right? No, okay. Never, never is a strong word, but like that was kind of from that point on, no one wants to be Buck Showalter.
0: No, and that, and that's and and I think that this that this is you've. T- tapped into one of the points uh, Not not about how to get a child to sleep That You haven't helped at all in that regard <laughs> You um, could
1: maybe show them Ubaldo Jimenez pitching Have you tried that?
0: <laughs> the uh, Or Pedro Baez perhaps yeah, so right, yeah, Pedro. Although
1: The Dodgers are smart enough To not put Pedro Baez <laughs> in the game So you'd have a hard time finding Recent video of Pedro Baez pitching uh,
0: A lot of it is um, I, I think a lot of it has to do with risk aversion Is that, is that not the case? For um, a baby? No, no, no. I don't think it's the baby. <laughs> I don't think the
1: babies are calculating their risk reward
0: <laughs> probability. They don't have a great sense of that. No, of they the risk really don't. and or reward. Yeah. I guess my um, little
1: guy decided this morning that the the risk of touching a very hot toaster was not very high, and he wanted to like get his bagel out, and then mm-hmm. he spent the rest of the morning asking for ice.
0: He probably won't do it again.
1: He probably I mean, won't. Yeah. Uh, you never know. Sometimes I think he likes the attention that comes with getting hurt. So. He might so remember tomorrow. That's like, a oh. that's
0: a way to, to to really injure a child emotionally. Yeah, you <laughs> get he, him accustomed I, to giving to receiving. Attention if I pain.
1: if I give myself pain, then comfort comes to me, and I like the comfort more than the pain.
0: Yeah, there's a, there's there are perversions that develop out of that. That's one. right. <laughs> um, the uh, not not to say that there's anything wrong with that necessarily, <laughs> but it, but it, I guess given the choice as a parent, you'd prefer. I, not I'm
1: glad that that's the way we went when talking about our small children. That's, <laughs> that's good, the we went your small that. child.
0: <laughs> the point is, um, written note of among coaches, right? There's a bit. The, there has to be. There has to be some, and 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 maybe, or cause, cause, you know, I, um. I think it's it's always smart to give the benefit of the doubt to these people who are actually doing the job, right? right. Not to uh, – what's the sort of bias? A- appeal to authority. Right. We, we don't want to um, – right. We don't want to con- merely to concede an appeal to authority. However, uh, we also have to accept the fact that there are conditions that we may not be considering. Right.
1: There's um, a knowledge gap. A knowledge yeah. gap is not the same thing as an appeal to authority. They know more than we do.
0: A knowledge gap and also and also, it's like um, a, a just a responsibility gap. Right? Because if you are on the outside and it will not be your name, right. then you you feel more comfortable taking risks. Yeah. I mean, right. I think – uh, Suggesting you know, it, risky behavior.
1: Right. So like Joe Girardi, right, got just crushed for not challenging the replay uh of the hit batter foul ball the other night when Francisco Lindor then hit a grand slam and they ended up losing a game where they were up 7-3. to three. Um And Girardi, I think from his point, was like, wow – Uh, You know, I didn't want to be the one who took my pitcher out of rhythm. He eventually admitted, like, that's a BS argument he should have challenged. But, like, his initial response was, you know, if I challenge and it doesn't get overturned, I've just harmed my pitcher's ability to, you know, be in a normal routine and continue to pitch. And, you know, Chad Green's been really good this year. Like, no real reason to think Chad Green couldn't, uh, you know, continue to pitch well. And I think he definitely stated risk aversion after the game of like there was some small potential cost to my pitcher, so I won't m- make an action that could have a very huge gain to my team because I'm not willing to take that risk.
0: Right, right. And, and that was the risk, and of course, with uh, you've mentioned Joe Girardi, the, the even larger risk. I, I think that actually. Um and I know Travis Ochick has, has noted this a couple times, is this question of when he was asked about bullpenning. I think he described it as very risky. Yeah, he's um, not a
1: fan of this idea. Although it will be interesting to see, um, game five tomorrow or potentially yesterday, depending on when you post this thing. Um, you, you know, the Yankees have essentially arrested bullpen in a winner take all game where they're facing Corey Kluber. Uh, I have no doubt that CC C. Sabathia will start this game. Mm-hmm. I would not be surprised if CC C. Sabathia only gets like two or three outs.
0: Can I ask you? Uh, so, I, I actually have sort of stopped. All right. I, wanna, I Are you want. To, I want to paying attention to baseball. No, no, no. I want to update my file on CC Sabathia because okay. I think that I I think that uh, I stopped updating it at the point when you know you know he was what maybe a couple of years ago. He he had lo- he had lost a couple miles per hour on his fastball more than a couple okay he was he was relying i think he'd become maybe like a like a slider yeah. a slider pitcher yep yeah. and and he, uh, he was he was dealing with some like personal issues too yeah, i think right, with the yeah, chemical yeah. dependence oh, and oh, so oh, yeah. at that point i think that i sort of like um mentally uh like downgraded him you know but i but um uh, it occurs to me that he had a good season. He's
1: had two pretty good
0: seasons. So. Two, two pretty good seasons. a so yeah. very
1: different As a very different pitcher. He's kind of had the Randy Johnson career path where it was like, come up as a young guy throwing 100 with, you know, not great command, and then eventually like, end your career as a guy throwing 87, but like, pitching to con, like, generating weak contact really well. I think the last two years, Cece Zabathia has posted the lowest exit velocity allowed of any starting pitcher in baseball. Um, you know, the. This isn't necessarily as a skill you want instead of striking guys out, but if you can't strike guys anymore, strike guys out anymore, not the worst way to survive throwing eighty-seven. He's kind of turned himself into like a left-handed Jared Weaver.
0: Okay, right, and 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 he's made it work. And we've discussed yeah. this before too. Like that's the advantage of having a, for for a pitcher who has velocity early in his career, because it essentially right. he it can works develop as another skill. Yeah. Right, margin for error works as uh right buys him yeah. time. Yeah. Etc. So, so is that? That's where he is now. He somehow figured out how to use whatever physical talents he had remaining um, to uh, control contact, if not necessarily avoid contact.
1: Right. He, now that he knows he can't miss bats like he used to because he just doesn't throw hard enough, he's now basically living on the edges and, uh, you know, trying to, through basically pinpoint command, get guys to hit balls uh, not squarely so that their defenders, the defenders will be able to turn those balls into outs. And for the last 350 innings, he's been pretty good at it.
0: Right, and I see just from his, uh, of course, uh, the site now for what a few months longer than that, I guess we've carried the pitch info, uh, pitch classifications, correct? correct. Yeah. Um, which are uh, curated by Harry Pavlidis, I think, right? And uh, the pitch info team, yeah, right. not pitch just team. Harry, but right. Okay, um, yeah. and his so basically, uh, what, what I see is that S- Sabathia basically doesn't he doesn't throw he barely throws a fastball at all. Yeah, uh, he throws. I mean, he does. He doesn't really throw. Um, a four-seamer anymore at all, right. and when he does throw a fastball, it's a sinker, but it's only like a fifth of the time, a quarter yep. of the time. So he's just throwing everything moves essentially at this yeah. point.
1: Right. I mean, this is how these kinds of guys survive. It's nothing straight.
0: Right. Why don't Why don't guys do that when they first drive? Just because they don't have the command of those types of pitches, or because it's yeah, a more it ta- I think it
1: takes a, I think it takes a long time to develop the kind of ability to throw a cutter or a slider or a changeup in the strike zone, uh, and not just you know. Floated up there, like yeah, a lot of times when you see like a breaking ball in the strike zone, it's because the guy misses his location. Right. Uh, to get to a point where you can throw that kind of pitch, you know, at the edge of the strike zone, kind of like the Chris Sale back foot slider, like that's not something that most guys can do, when, especially early in their career.
0: Okay, all right. So let's so let's return to the issue. You, you suspect that Joe Girardi uh, will have a very quick hook. I mean, he had, obviously. Uh, I mean, the game, the game that sort of. In, Informing this conversation is the game uh, between, or is, is the wild card game? Right. Between Where the Yankees Severino and Twins. went two thirds of the inning. Yeah. Right, right. So everyone went two thirds of the inning and uh, two thirds, two thirds, two thirds. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, one third. One third. Yeah, I feel like it was one third. Yeah. He yeah. yeah. got yeah. one out. Yeah. He, he recorded yeah. one out, and then the yeah. Yankees bullpen pitched yeah. what eight, yeah. two-thirds eight and two thirds with one run conceded. Yeah. Um, which. Which was essentially a bullpen game. I mean, Severino... Actually, think Severino pitched fewer innings than anyone else. Yeah, I mean, I
1: think, like, when Girardi talked about the bullpen game, I think the pushback has been kind of... Like, no one's against yanking your starter in the first if he's getting torched, and Severino was getting torched in that inning. So, like, everyone's general consensus is, like, in a winner take all game, you cannot leave a pitcher out there to just put you in a huge hole. Everyone agrees with that. The question really has been are you willing to remove your starting pitcher if he's not getting torched early in the game? And that's where there's pushback, and I think that's where tomorrow, today, yesterday, whenever people are listening with this uh, is going to be pretty particularly interesting because I think it's pretty clear of the guys who will be available to pitch for the Yankees tomorrow, Sabathia is going to be like the seventh or eighth best option, right? Like Chad Green, Tommy Canley, David Robertson... Earl Chapman, you could probably get eight innings from those four guys. Uh, they, they did it in the wild card game, and they're they're pretty well rested. Camley did pitch a couple innings yesterday, so maybe he's only available for an inning. But you know, Robertson went three in the wild card game. Green's a former starter. You know, in a winner take all game, I think you could look at those four guys and say seven is perfectly reasonable, eight isn't out of the question. Uh, so then, why why do you need a starting pitcher? Like, and you, you also know, didn't. Math- even,
0: I mean, you didn't even mention Dylan Betances, who for for whatever his flaws towards the end of the season yeah. still you know was worth like a win or a win and a half you know depending right. on
1: I think he pitched himself out of the game yesterday when he, they brought him in uh with a, a four run lead and he proceeded to throw eight straight balls including two to the backstop one that almost uh sailed over uh some hitter's head who must have been fearing for his life uh mm-hmm. yeah I think Botancus you know his command is uh, when it's on, it's, you know he's obviously really good. But I would imagine, unless they have a significant lead, we probably won't see Batances tomorrow, just because the chances of him coming in and like walking the bases loaded and having to leave are just too high.
0: Yeah, that's that is a. I mean, obviously there are things in life that are much more terrifying, but that is this sort of. Um, I mean, if we're talking about risk, that is the risk of the relief pitcher in general, isn't it? It's just that yeah. one day, all of a sudden, they show up and they don't. Uh, they don't have anything. They don't, they don't resemble their former selves, I guess. I mean, yeah.
1: I was, I mean, for the Yankees, like, to have Batanzas not be in the plan, essentially, means that if the game goes to extra innings, like, he's their fallback. Like, you're in a pretty good spot if you're like, well, wow, crap, if it goes to 11, then we have to use Dell and Batanzas. Like, <laughs> like, that's not a terrible especially if you're, like, planning on your starter only getting, like, three outs. Like, you know, if, if, if we're talking about, like, so Chapman's gonna go two, you know, he might not necessarily, but if you're planning it out thinking Kluber's not gonna give up many runs, if we're gonna win this thing, it's gonna be 3-2 or 2-1 or something like that that so how do we basically want to plot this out you say chapman for the eighth and ninth robertson for the fifth sixth and seventh or part of the fifth sixth and seventh then so you're hoping like some combination of sabathia green and canley can get you through the fifth or into the fifth at least like if that's kind of the plan i think you basically just look at sabathia and be like i don't really care how well you pitch (laughs) you're you're coming out in the second inning. Like, there's just no real... I mean, like, I don't know that Girardi's going to do this, but if that's kind of the available pitcher pool and you look at the relative performance differences between those guys who all throw 97 with nasty breaking balls and then you look at Sabathia as throwing 86 and, like, you know, potentially a home run liability, like, I don't know why you would stick with Sabathia to allow him to give up even a solo home run to the 7th, 8th, 9th, 10th batteries faced, um, you know, I would guess that Girardi probably will go a little bit more conservative and say, "I'm just going to leave CC out there until he's, you know, he forces me to remove him by putting a couple guys on base." But I think, you know, that's kind of where we're at these days. Is there's a real decent chance that like Sabathia can have a one, two, three first inning and get pulled?
0: All right. So uh, let me ask you this: I, um, to, what what do we know about the the degree to which it's possible for a manager, you know, coaching staff, front office, whatever? Uh, to you know, in talking with a pitcher, to make it clear that he that he should, even if he's starting the game, that he should adopt a relief mindset, right? Well oh, I don't.
1: There's no question that Sabathia is going to go out there tomorrow, knowing that as soon as he puts two guys on base, he's done. Okay, because, like, because he can basically allow one base runner.
0: Because Kenta Maeda is um, is not, I would say, he does not overwhelm hitters typically. Yeah, right. he's a
1: command breaking ball guy.
0: Right, but um, yeah. but as you noted, uh, writing about the Dodgers today, yeah. uh, he was what sitting ninety four, and he to, yeah, it topped out at ninety six, t- touching ninety six, which is not something yeah. you will ever see yeah. from him working in a starter's capacity. Right. So even if uh, even if Sabathia starts, it, it, I mean, do you think that? Uh, what do you think is like the the bump we might see if there is a bump?
1: Maybe tech. Yeah, I mean, I think like maybe you can see Sabathia sitting 89 instead of 87, or you know, 91 instead of 89. Like, he, he could get a little bit of a boost knowing that like, his leash tomorrow is 9 batters, probably. Mm-hmm. Like, it's very difficult to, for me to see him facing anyone the second time through the order, just because they don't need him to. Right. So, you know, if he knows, look, I'm, only, I'm gonna face these guys once, I don't have to worry mm-hmm. about like setting them up for my second at bat. I'm just going to throw as hard as I can for you know 40 pitches or something. Uh, then you might see a little bit of a bump from Sabathia' velocity wise Okay,
0: all right. Uh, now we we've arrived at this uh, this part of the conversation by discussing uh, that sort of uh, the blind spot that that. Um, well, by by looking at by asking in general, what are some situations where the answer is obvious, but the sort of um, means to arrive at the answer. For whatever reason, there's kind of a blind spot there, right? Um, uh, And and part of it is the is the sort of collectively managers' decisions to move, you know, to to embrace uh, shorter, uh, you know, to to introduce the bullpen earlier in the game. That's a big part of it, right?
1: I mean, I think what I would say is maybe the most interesting, like psychological part of this entire change is how much the conversation has shifted in terms of it used to be you would manage kind of the traditional way of saving your closer until you have a save we you know save situation um because of the criticism you would get if you managed out of the ordinary, right? That was always the reason for like you can't have a um closer by committee because the media will crush you for this and it's not worth you know dealing with questions from your fans every day saying like why didn't you just do it like what the, like everyone else just do it the normal way it's been done for thirty years. Like that's kind of that that was the reason for, you know, not trying things in a different way, is the criticism you'd receive. And now, I think in the last year, basically, it has now shifted to where you will get criticized if you don't manage that way. Like, I published the news about Dusty Baker this morning, um, you know, where he didn't use Sean Doolittle or Ryan Madsen in game three, and the the Nationals bullpen gave up two runs to the Cubs, and so they lost 2-1, to one, and now they're facing elimination again. And like, it was like a controversial take that, like, Dusty Baker wasn't a total idiot for not putting his closer in the game in the sixth inning. Like now it's just kind of accepted. Like if you don't, you know, uh, go over the top, with we saw AJ Hinch yesterday, you know, the Red Sox were, or the Astros are up two games to one, not facing elimination. The worst case scenario, if they lose game four is they head home to Houston with arrested Justin Berlander and the Red Sox had already burned Chris sale. So like the Astros were in a pretty good spot. And, you know, they were winning the game 2-1. to one. And they're like, you know what? I think I'm going to get Justin Verlander up, waste him as a Game 5 starter, put him in a middle relief because I don't trust Will Harris, who's a top 10, top 15 reliever in Major League Baseball these days. Um, and, like... The pressure now is so intense on the managers to basically throw out the regular season rule book and manage very differently in October that it almost seems like that's the way to not get criticized is like, well, whatever, I put Verlander in the game. If we lost, I lost with my best guy. Um, it feels like there's been just a huge shift in expectations of how you'll manage in October to where now if you, if you don't do something kind of out of the ordinary or what used to be out of the ordinary, that's when you get criticized.
0: And is it, would it be? Correct to suggest, do you think, that much of this goes back to uh, Cleveland's use of Andrew Miller last year?
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, if that didn't work as well, we wouldn't be – I don't think we've seen David Price pitching in relief for Boston this year. Like, I think Miller and Cleveland kind of getting to the World Series with – you know, what, three pitchers, basically. Like, they just rode Kluber, Miller, and Cody Allen as hard as they possibly could to Game 7 of the World Series with a, you know, very diminished roster. Um, I think if that hadn't worked as well, we wouldn't see the shift as aggressively as we've seen it. But also, like, baseball's been heading this direction. It's it's taken a while to get here. You know, we've been writing about bullpenning games since the wild card was invented. Like, there's articles on the site from, like, five or six years ago when we're suggesting this. Um, so it's not like this is a new concept, but I think... Uh, the success that Cleveland had last year has made this now the cool thing to do. And I almost wonder, like, I, you know, I said on Twitter yesterday, like, I didn't really like Hinch going to Verlander in that situation. It felt panicky to me. I almost wonder if the pendulum has swung too far the other way to where now, um you know, manager aren't willing to trust, you know, a guy like Will Harris, who's a very good pitcher. If you're not willing to go to Will Harris in the fourth inning of a game where you're winning and you're up 2-1 in the series, like maybe at this point we're putting too much emphasis on only pitching your top two or three guys.
0: Yeah, And uh, I guess it it did ultimately work out, but not in the way... I mean...
1: mean, Verlander came and gave up a home run. So (laughs) they won the game, but I wouldn't say the move worked.
0: Right, right, right. Um, But of course, you don't always... uh, the idea isn't to evaluate it based on whether... It right,
1: worked. yeah. I mean, the other thing you can say is, like, Andrew Benatendi hit an 88-mile-an-hour fly ball. It was only a home run because the right field fence in Fenway is weird. Right, right, right.
0: Um, <clears throat> uh, oh, yeah, so I actually did one. I wanted to ask you more about that. Um, the the, the, Houston, uh, the Houston-Boston game, in part because you, you wrote yesterday a post called The Case for Starting Chris Sale in, what, Game 4, was it, right? Yeah, yeah, and and one of the arguments you made now, uh, in, well, you first re- began by recognizing that Chris Sale has not been excellent on, on short rest, and that he well, only, only done it once in right. right, and pitchers in general are not as good in short rest. Right, and yeah. uh, the other thing was the Red Sox had to win both games, yeah. so the, you know there was a there was a perfectly valid argument for for just you know waiting to use Chris Sale in normal rest. Um, yeah. Part of why you might use them sooner is because the weather, I think, was one point you made. Uh, but but another one was um, why you might use them sooner is because it would set up a, an opportunity to, um, to use the platoon advantage. You could start sail, and then you could bring in – I don't know if it was Porcello for whom you were advocating or if it was –
1: Well, I was basically saying Carson Smith and and Addison Reed are going to be available in that game and probably wouldn't have pitched in a potential game five if you were thinking that David Price and Craig Kimbrell were going to pitch most of that game, then you probably weren't going to go to Reed and uh, Reed and Smith out of the bullpen, so then you could potentially go, like, Sale, Reed, Smith, and then back to, like, Eduardo Rodriguez if you wanted another lefty. And it gave you a better chance to go left-right and then maybe go right-left uh, on Wednesday's game. Uh, it was a minor point considering, like, the Astros' lineup is basically the same. I guess everybody, like, most of their best hitters are right-handed hitters, so it doesn't really matter, but it was kind of a, you know... This could potentially change whether Evan Gattis or Carlos Peltron's playing, and, and you know maybe Evan Gattis is going to hit a 450 home run, and in the postseason, like sometimes those little decisions end up turning turning out to be big decisions.
0: Yeah, and so I'm curious as to how, uh, to what you thought of of how the um, John Farrell at all actually executed, or I don't know if it was their plan, but how they actually performed in terms of decision making, because they started Porcello. But they went to yeah. sale immediately after that. So they actually yeah. did benefit from a sort of confusion of of the platoon advantage. Sort of. I mean
1: I was like I think like I would love to like get a candid answer from the Red Sox why they did what they did, right? It's like they clearly knew that Chris Sale was going to pitch yesterday. Um, it's part of why I wrote the case for starting him. Is it was pretty clear, like, the way they were talking, Chris Sale's available in the pen and Price will be available in game five. Like, this was what they wanted to do. Um, so why didn't they just start him? I'm not really sure, to be honest with you. Like, maybe they just wanted to see what the weather was going to do um, and give them, like, a you know, a better chance of looking at the radar in the game to figure out whether there was going to be a delay or something. But, like, they basically decided, we're starting Chris Sale, we're just going to start him in the fourth inning, um, and they what pitched the next four and a third before he gave up the game-tying home run. Um, given given what you were going to, what they'd already decided to do with Sale, he was going to pitch the bulk of that game, I don't know why they let Porcello pitch the first two innings, because he could have put them, like there were several chances for the Astros to blow that thing early open, open early before Sale ever got on the mound, and I don't know why they allowed Porcello to do that knowing that they had Sale for three, four, five innings as part of the play.
0: Porcello allow, allowed a, a lot of base runners.
1: Like, the bases were loaded, like, every <laughs> yeah, inning. Yeah. Like, it was like... this. I mean, it could have been 6 nothing, but we're 7 nothing before Sale came in the game. Like, um, there was... It didn't seem like the first few innings was a huge sense of urgency. And then, like, when Sale got in trouble, or when Porcello got in trouble, they got Joe Kelly warming up, who'd pitched the day before, and isn't Chris Sale. It was just... I didn't understand it, to be honest. Like, I don't... I mean, it worked out okay, I guess, in the sense of like, Sale was really good and they had the lead and, you know, Sale gave up the lead, or, you know, gave up the lead and then Craig Kimbrell gave up a tie game. Like, if you're gonna lose with Chris Sale and Craig Kimball on the mound, you can be like, well, it worked, you know, we had the guys we wanted and the Astros just beat them. But I don't, like, if you're gonna use Chris Sale for four or five innings and you had Kimbrel who hadn't pitched basically at all in the series, Um, Super fresh He probably could have Gotten six outs Like I don't know Why you needed Rick Porcello To go three innings And and give yourself A significant chance Of being down big early Right
0: Yeah and it it, I mean it Ought not be ignored Also that of course Porcello did allow Did allow two runs And I think probably Like from a platonic sense He probably ought to Have allowed more than that It seems
1: yeah, he didn't pitch like a guy who you're like, wow, this is a good decision to start him in an elimination game. Like, um, you know, this isn't one of those scenarios where you can be like, well, maybe questionable process, but good result. Like, it was questionable process, questionable Do you think
0: result. that it's possible that the Red Sox said, well, we'll start off with Brucello and maybe we'll just score a lot of runs off Charlie Morton and th- and therefore yeah, we won't need Brucello?
1: May- maybe, um, but I think like – if, if that's the idea, and you're hoping that you're up like 10 nothing early and then you can just like rest sale, um even that plan I think is a little sketchy because, you know, if you're not gonna pitch sale, and you're not gonna pitch price, how deep do they think Purcell was gonna go? Like, realistically, they were probably only thinking they were gonna get three or four innings out of him, so then the rest of the bullpen was gonna be, you know. Well, I don't know. Yeah, if you have a reads, 10-run so lead, can you get. can let
0: Purcell you can let Purcell go to the end. I mean, right, it's so like,
1: If your plan is we're going to score ten runs in three innings, not a good (laughs) plan. No, I'm not.
0: (laughs) What are the odds of scoring ten runs in three innings? In that point of view, I mean,
1: I would bet in in postseason history, it's probably less than one percent of all games where a team has a ten run lead or has even scored ten runs by the the end of the. I do
0: remember a notable series between Boston and Cleveland in the late '90s, because I think I mean the, the Red Sox had the Red Sox had Pedro Martinez. And Cleveland had nobody in terms of pitching, so it was all offense. Um, yeah. But uh, and I'm sure...
1: I mean, there was, you know what, the wild card game a few years ago, the Giants beat the Pirates like 11-0 or something when Madison Bumgarner threw a shutout, they just got just obliterated. Uh, I think that was the Giants and Pirates anyway. Um, I remember there was well, at least a couple wild card games that have been really uncompetitive. But, like, in general, I think, if they knew that, like, if it's close, we're going to fail, just start it's it. Time. And then, like, just... Go to Kimberle after that. i <laughs> like, you know, I think that for being in an elimination situation where they were going to use sale in game four, starting Procello just doesn't make sense to me. Okay.
0: I have two questions for you. One of them is brief um, because we're, we're approaching – oh, we're had a half, a half hour already. Um, this, this first one is brief. Uh, well, no, first of all, I have to make a point. Uh, the chemical for, um, that I was attempting to remember is called Cortisol. Mm -hmm. Cortisol. I guess it's a hormone. It's a hormone, and it's cortisol, and that's what allows us to uh, frequently to stay stay awake in the morning. Um, uh, The other uh, quick question is: uh, MIT grads (laughs) are using science to um, to to reveal my wine preferences. Should I trust them?
1: I mean, are they telling you to buy cheap wine? I don't know what they're doing. So, yes. I, it's
0: a it is a promoted tweet that that occurs in my timeline once a day. MIT grads use science to reveal wine preferences. Should I trust them? Well,
1: um, I I would say that you should change your uh, search.
0: Okay. I've never. No, you guy. haven't, huh? Well, they really targeted the right guy. I don't know what else of my be my online <laughs> behavior I suggest to them. This is.
1: I mean, are you having like wine shipped to your house or no, regular No, no,
0: because I want. If, if MIT grads really, if they know, if they understand my wine preferences, it's lowest cost. That's my wine preference. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah.
1: Go to Trader Joe's, buy some two buck chuck. No MIT. The grad
0: barrier yet. for entry to wine is low. If it's if it's potable and uh, then it's good wine, in my opinion, it's like pizza in that way. Mm. It's you know most pizza is good pizza. I think it's her. I know yeah. you're going to say because you're contrarian, yeah. you'd be like, well, I've had this one pizza, et cetera, et cetera. But most pizza's fine.
1: No, okay. I agree with that. I will say it was like the other night uh, we were trying to find somewhere to go out to dinner that could appease my two-year-old and my wife but also would have the baseball game on. So, like not a sports bar basically um, yeah. as I was trying to like watch the game but also have some you're really threading mind. a needle there, so aren't we you? i up at like this. Yeah, and it's not so easy. Um, especially in like a, Bend is not a huge baseball town, shockingly. Um, so we found this pizza place in like this, uh, you know, part of town that's just more expensive than the rest of it. Did not go there intentionally, but they had the game on, uh, and it's pizza. So it worked. Um, they had a, uh, one particular pizza. I don't remember exactly what was on it. A medium pizza was $35. Uh, Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I can't imagine that pizza would ever be worth $35.
0: Wow. That's a very, did you? I mean, what is it? Did they have truffle. Did they have truffles.
1: No, it, I think it was like a. I don't remember exactly what it was because I just saw the thirty-five dollars and started to look at the other side of the menu. I was like, well, we're not going to order from there. Uh, it had some, you know, is organic. Blah 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 blah.
0: Wow. organic blah blah blah. <sighs> yeah. You gotta you gotta pay extra for that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> finally, let's draw our attention to the Dodgers. You wrote about the Dodgers for today, and. Um, I suppose uh, – so here's the curious thing. Uh, for a while, the Dodgers were the best team. And in fact, uh, I believe yeah. at, uh, points in August uh, were threatening to record um, the highest win total ever in baseball.
1: Yeah, for five months they were on pace to yeah. break
0: the record. And then, and then they had – I mean a kind of beautiful in its own way. They had just had this – they did not merely have like – there wasn't like a tropical depression of 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 poor play, it was a it was like a category five hurricane. Uh, in ter- <laughs> to right, use yeah. uh, horrifying <laughs> uh, current events, says right.
1: We would like to, uh, to to console all those people who've yeah. lost their homes and loved ones by equating your reality.
0: Right, to but it's you fun. know, it's on my mind whether and uh, but I guess yeah. I mean, it was it, uh, it the it was terrible. It was it was going very badly. It was a. It was like if you're going to play badly, uh, really do it. Was the sort of the strategy at that point? I don't think it was a strategy. It was an outcome. Um, I don't know. Is there any uh, logical explanation for that, or is it just something that happened? I okay. don't know. That's my answer. That's fair. But now they're good again. Yeah,
1: uh, I mean, like um, it could be that they were, you know lethargic because they lost any incentive to play hard like they were up 22 games in their division like in mid-august or something like their postseason spot was not clinched but like basically secure so you know they were oh Corey seager's elbow is like not exactly 100 percent. you get a week off or you know like um you know hey person you threw 95 pitches in your last start take a skip a start like they were um they were not going pedal to the metal now, at some point, when you lose eleven in a row, and like your your inability to win games becomes the narrative, I'm sure that, that at that point they really wanted to win again. And um, so, you know, how much motivation and incentive I had to do it with it, or is it just like the biggest series of randomness we've ever seen? I don't right. know how. But you they're they're
0: that. clearly quite uh, dangerous now, as the.
1: I mean, they were. I think they were always dangerous, but like uh, they basically shut the door on the narrative that they fell apart. Like you know. You Darvish looks awesome again. And they figured out their bullpen um, and their offense is still good and Clayton Kershaw is still the best pitcher alive like still you know like I know Cleveland is the sexy pick because they won 22 in a row and they're you know, really good. In no map. one's
0: ever uttered that sentence before. Cleveland, Cleveland is the is sexy, the sexy pick. pick? Yeah. Yeah.
1: But today uh, I, I, I have, yeah yeah first time for everything. welcome to uh, sexy Let me Cleveland. ask you one
0: final but the Dodgers. Let me ask you one final question, still. which is this: When all things even out, right? What will be? Because or, or, even in, during the regular season, the average average innings per start by by starting pitchers is um, continued to decline. What is the sort of when it, when it when that hits an equilibrium? What will the final tally be for starting pitchers? No, no, no. This I'm year? saying like in 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 the future.
1: Uh, we won't have starting pitchers in the future. I mean, like, you'll have pitchers who pitch
0: yeah. the beginning of the
1: game. But we will are going towards... Will they go
0: longer than uh, other pitchers?
1: Yeah, probably. I mean, I think you, you're always going to have the most talented, the Kershaws. You know, you're always going to have guys of that ilk who pitch more than the other guys pitch. But I think the days of, like, 250 hitting starters, like, those are over. Um, we're going to head towards the best pitchers probably taking on something like the David Price role in in Boston, where it's like, you know, not necessarily coming out of the bullpen, but like, pitching three innings three days a week. And, you know, you'll end up with somewhere around the same innings total, 180 or 200 or something like that, for the best pitchers, but then everyone else is going to be 120 or 100 or something like that. We're heading towards, like, a flattening of inning pitch totals, where you'll have... Um, you know, more guys throw, throwing, you know, the guys who throw, throw 60 right now will eventually move up to 70, 80, 90, and the guys who throw 210 will come down to, like, 180, um, and you're just going to have a, um, a flatter structure where um, no one's going to – I mean, not no one, but, like, it's not going to be common that you're going to have, you know, a number five starter who's not any better than any of your relievers going five or six. But innings, the 180
0: inning guy go who is the formerly the 215 or 230 guy, Mike, it yeah. seems like from what you're saying, he's going to be throwing, those 180 innings will probably generally be more important than uh, 215 or whatever he's throwing before, right?
1: Yeah, and I think like you could potentially get to a point, depending on
0: how arms are developed
1: and kind of how the physics of velocity works. I mean, I don't know exactly at what point, like, arms are just going to continue to break down because of how hard guys are throwing. But like the velocity trend isn't going away either. Like we've talked about this guys are just going to continue to throw harder. The velocity of baseball is going to go up. Um, So, you know, whether we can find out, like, okay, you know, you have to have a scheduled routine in order to have your arm recuperate from throwing 99 for 40 pitches at a time and coming back on two or three days rest, Um, or if you can have kind of a, like we have in the postseason where it's not scheduled and it's just like, okay, now it's a leverage situation, we need you, if you could actually develop guys to be able to bounce back enough to not have to have kind of scheduled routines where they're still throwing bullpens between games, um, and you could just say, okay, maybe we're not going to have our, you know, our Clayton Kershaw pitch the first few innings of the game because we don't know if our offense is going to score 10 runs today. But if it's the third or fourth inning and it's a, still a close game, then we're going to that guy and he's going to get us to the eighth or whatever. And um, I think you could potentially see the best pitchers actually becoming relievers in, you know, 10 or 15. All
0: right. Uh, that concludes this edition of Fangar Studio. You have fulfilled your obligation to the program. All right. Uh, uh That has been... Well, first I will say thank you, Dave Cameron. That has been Dave Cameron. He's the editor of Fangraphs.com. I'm Carson Sestouli. This is Fangraphs Audio.